então. Hello all, welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host Daniel Kubal, and today I have with me a very special guest, Scott Odin. Scott, how are you today? I'm good. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I was really excited uh, after I found your book, um, after I had seen you on Twitter actually, and talked to you a couple of times, and I had actually seen it at Barnes & Noble, so I literally went over and snatched it up right away, and I was on my <laughs> way to the, uh, uh, the register, and then I was uh, looking at the back and I was like, yeah, this is definitely the book for me. So I'm really <laughs> anxious to, uh, pick your brain today. Um, it definitely seems like a, I almost feel like a gathering Ravens could almost be like its own subgenre um, of fantasy. So I had quite a few questions to ask you in particular. So when you said yes, okay. I was just like, all right, let's do this. Thing. <laughs> Speaking of the, just in case that's gathering of Ravens, there we go. Yeah. yeah I love that cover. And if you guys, oh, it's awesome. I'll put the blurb too, or any other things that, you know, links or anything like that, um, that you want people to see. I love your website, by the way, I was checking it out. I love seeing other people's and trying to figure out, you know, exactly more of a fantasy feel. And I just, I really liked yours. So, um, we'll definitely put that in the links. My, my minimal ability with WordPress. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) You should see mine. Your, your minimum ability is better than mine. So (laughs) it definitely had the feel. So. If I can clip it and drop it in, I'm good. <laughs> it was good. I, I really liked it. Well, thank you. Uh, and so, I, like I said, like I, that was one of the first ones, the titles that I had seen. I had seen it around a couple of times. And then once I, you know, started interacting with you on Twitter, I was really excited to pick that one up. And like I was saying uh, before this, and I've told people um, as well through other episodes what my uh, current reading order is. So like I said, yeah, you're my third up here. So uh, any listeners, if you're interested uh, in Scott's A Gathering of Ravens, I will be getting to that as soon as my schedule calms down and I can finish <laughs> my other two. Uh, and we'll be putting that actually, those reviews up, um, up on the, uh, the podcast actually and on YouTube. So uh, be looking for those probably here in about the next month or so. Um, I'm a little slammed because school just started, but we will be getting those two as soon as possible. And like I said, I will be putting uh, that book and Scott's other uh, book links uh, in the YouTube description as well and in the description on Spotify. Uh, Scott, I'm really curious to see what you're just looking at your website. uh, I was really interested to ask you this question in particular. So what has your writing journey been like and what genre did you start writing first? Uh, It's been a long journey. It's uh, I first started writing fantasy in 1981. Oh, wow. And uh, I found out I couldn't actually write fantasy very well. (laughs) So uh, time went on. I switched over for a while. I wanted to write a Conan novel. Oh, I don't blame you. The late 1980s, I was like, I'm going to write a Conan novel. be the greatest Conan novel ever. Yeah, no, they stopped publishing those. Mm -hmm. So I have this, you know, three chapters of a novel I can't use. Friend of mine told me, well, why don't you make your own character? And that I was like, that's my problem. I can't do it. So I ended up making, I was at home one night. I was watching TV. The Egyptian came on. Oh, cool. You're mature. And I was like, what if I just, instead of being in the Hyborian age, what if it's in ancient Egypt? And everything just fell into place. Oh, cool. Uh, it was the first long form book that I had ever written. Uh, it took me two years and then it was published in 2005. It's called Men of Bronze and it's a straight historical fiction. It's about the, uh, the 
fall of Egypt in 525 BC oh, cool. to the Persians. But you can still see flashes of Conan because he's he was the main character. I just changed his name. So, oh, that's cool. And then the second book was also uh, just straight historical fiction. And then I finally just, I said, screw it. I'm going to try to write fantasy. And I'd met an editor at uh, uh, Thomas Dunn Books at the time. Okay. And he was like, well, what if you write something of, what if Robert E. Howard had written about the assassins? Mm. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I run off, I write a little bitty synopsis. You know, the standard for at the time was 12 pages. So I write this little 12 page synopsis. He's like, hey, it needs more detail. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go back. I come back with a 50 something page, uh, something like 40,000 word synopsis. Oh, wow. Action, dialogue, the whole nine yards. He's like, yeah, we'll buy this one oh, and three cool. more. <laughs> wow. And that's how it started. I had to take a probably about a almost a 10 year break in the middle to take care of my parents. Oh, okay. So, so that's why there's a huge, there's a seven year gap between the Lion of Cairo and gathering of ravens so and that's that's where i'm at now i do mainly historical fantasy and i might go back to historical fiction for a while oh cool okay i i, I do love just straight historical fiction so yeah i love me some bernard uh cornwell oh yeah him stephen pressfield yeah yep yep um yeah. got miles um, cameron coming on here uh yeah. later next month i really uh anxious See, i like his brother christian better yeah <laughs> that's fair <laughs> <laughs> that's fair they're actually twins they just don't want anybody to know oh see i didn't know that i did not know i'm that. lying i am so <laughs> lying to you <laughs> that's not what he's touting um he said the other day uh, about being brothers. Uh, so that was the ongoing thing Brett, that we were <laughs> discussing back and forth. And uh, somebody had, I don't know if it was him or who had Photoshopped <laughs> two pictures of himself right there. Uh, so I didn't know that he was now trying to say twins. So that's actually good to know. Uh, somebody the other day, there was that one. And then uh, the ongoing, obviously, like, you know, uh, with the Wizards, Warriors and Words crew, uh, with writing all the books and they were saying that now they claimed a different author as well so i had a lot of fun on the threads last week instead of uh getting to, uh, work done and stuff but it was really funny to see uh <laughs> just keep in mind back though back <laughs> just keep in mind i wrote all of dirk ashton's books yeah 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 yeah. i i definitely will uh will inform that of mike and they're gonna have to start yeah. um talking about that on the show for sure yeah. maybe that could be like a future podcast Michael Fletcher's just an actor hired to play somebody named Michael Fletcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what it was so funny that you say it because the last episode, uh, they were discussing uh, how, um, how Jed created this app with random characterizations. And uh, Dirk says, Well, that's how we got Michael Fletcher. <laughs> I, I just thought, How cool of a book would that be? I'm like, You guys are talking about these book ideas on here. I'm like, That's the best one that has come out of here so far, by far. So I'm anxious to see that upcoming. Uh, book I, I think it might also be historical fiction or historical yeah. fantasy <laughs> well, you know, august 27th 1997 a piece of, of uh grilled cheese and some whiskey got together and <laughs> that's that's the perfect start of it i'll, I'll have to talk to fletcher about that we'll we'll get going on that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then maybe we could have him fight the the cameron twins oh man 
Oh, they'd lose. Man, <laughs> he's hardcore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I learned from him that you can actually wear plate armor, go into water, <laughs> swim, run out of the water, oh, and geez. fight. <laughs> okay, well, I got to change this scene. Let me yeah. change that. So, I had a friend that said that he wants to start doing, um, you know, because he was seeing, uh, uh, you know, Christian's uh, 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 writing, fighting. And he goes, I want to test out some different things that we've seen from these different fantasy books or sci-fi books. And I said, well, sci-fi is probably kind of hard, but he was talking about that. He's like, well, maybe fantasy and, you know, we could try some of these things and play armor or something and, you know, actually see if, see if it works. And I've seen a couple of uh, YouTube channels and stuff do stuff like that. So I said, that might be kind of interesting, you know, like just to know different things. Cause I find, you know, uh, Cameron's stuff for his writing fighting to be really, uh, you know, interesting and helpful in terms of writing. So I told him, I said, maybe that would, that'd be a good experiment for him to do on there. You know, like, <laughs> well, it uh, turns out it's really, really hard to decapitate somebody. Yeah. 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 I remember that too from, um, Oh, what was that show that they did that, um, with Adam Savage? Um, uh, why am I blanking on that right now? Um, yeah, you know what I'm talking about though. They do all the experiments. I yeah. I, yeah. I love that. Oh, Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Yeah. We talked about doing a Mythbusters fantasy edition. Uh, and I just thought that'd be really fun. <laughs> so would you say that you prefer uh, historical writing historical fiction more or or fantasy? I know some people like me, like fantasy is easier. I want to get into urban fantasy and historical fiction. I'm a history teacher. Um, you know, they interest me. But for some reason, it's and science fiction. Like, I just find that writing fantasy for me, I think because I've read so much of it, it's just easier. Like I get an idea, I go with it. The characters are better. I, you know, and you think character development, you would be better or the same at, you know, both genres, but I'm just not. So for me, writing fantasy, I enjoy more because it's easier. But I was just curious what you prefer writing most and why. I would really hesitate to call any of it easy. That's fair too. (laughs) That's fair too. Really not. I like, (laughs) I always say that historical fiction is fantasy's cousin with a degree it's oh i like that it's exactly we're gonna quote you there we're gonna quote you there there you go yeah (laughs) on the surface they are exactly the same especially if you include uh superstition in your historical fiction uh but for whatever reason the literary community at large puts more emphasis on historical fiction than they do on fantasy yeah so I, i like the the uh cachet of historical fiction but i like the fandom of fantasy oh i like that uh you don't have the level of fan interaction or you didn't used to with the internet you might have more but when i first started you did not have fan interaction with historical fiction uh i they would buy it and you would never hear from them again yeah fantasy fans love to talk oh yeah talk about what they just read and that's become a gauge, I guess, for how well a book does is how many people are talking about it. Uh, because you pretty much guaranteed if nobody is talking about a book, nobody's buying it. Yeah, yeah. And so I like the almost instant interaction with fantasy. So that's why I just bridge it and go with historical fantasy. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Have, you know, I can have my peanut butter. I can have my chocolate. I can smush it together. So. yeah. And I do really like how you how you put that too with historical fiction as a genre because 
I was just discussing that with, you know, some students in my class the other day and uh, they were asking like, who will I have on this weekend, stuff like that. And uh, I have some that are really interested in, you know, historical fiction. I have some that are interested in fantasy. And I just, we just started talking in my student advisement. It's like an academic lab. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, all historical fiction is, is like you have some true facts that somebody put together, you know? And I said, you, I like, for instance, um, oh, it's like the, the Oathbreakers books or whatever. Like I liked how you had the Attila the Hun treasure uh, you have some ghosts in there. You have some supernatural elements. Uh, they all felt very real. Uh, you know, it wasn't overpoured with fantasy, but, you know, like you were saying, there's the mythological or the superstitious aspect. And that's why I actually like the TV show. Um, not that I don't like Bernard Cornwell's books. I really do. But I liked on the TV show how they walk the fine line. And for instance, season three with Uhtred, where he's cursed, uh, spoilers <laughs> for anybody, uh, and how he tries to break the curse i like brita you know like they walk a fine line between the supernatural superstition and historical fiction yeah. uh, and to me it's almost like it's fantasy you know and i feel like it's so very similar because really my kids are like well there's no different there's no similarities i'm like they're like they're so different i'm like no i'm like yeah. none of us were there i'm like you're literally just making it up you know and if you with, do well enough you know like yeah with medieval and ancient historical fiction there is no difference between uh, a book, say like Pillars of the Earth by mm. Ken Follett. There's no difference between Pillars of the Earth and Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, it's, the setting is virtually identical to our, to the modern person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the modern person does not know enough about the Middle Ages conversationally to be able to, to this uh, divorce it from fantasy yeah so so much uh i guess bad history has gone around you know people teach weird stuff in school they pick yeah. up words. so you know the ancient world uh the medieval world there's there's no longer any difference between that and fantasy in most yeah so but because it's historical and most of them, you know, no offense, probably had a horrible history teacher. Oh, no, totally. They, they tell me that all I the had, time. Yeah. I had the absolute worst history teachers. All we did was learn dates. We oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> it's like this time, this time, this time, test, this time, this time, this time, test. And I'm surprised I, you know, I was a straight C, C student in school, never went to college. And I have no idea why I decided one day I'm going to sit down. <laughs> I'm going to write history. <laughs> I know nothing about it. <laughs> but it was easier to make a fantasy world based on history. Yeah. You really have to do the work. It was already done for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just had to learn how to phrase it for somebody reading it. So and that's that was how I got started, was just learning to phrase the past for a modern reader so and i think i did it pretty well so. yeah yeah i mean my friend like as soon as he picked up um oh i can't remember which of yours he read first if it was a gathering of ravens or it was men of bronze right yeah men of bronze is no i think it was men of bronze i think it was men of bronze he's read both but i believe he said men of bronze uh was his favorite book that he's picked up in the last five years uh, oh wow very very picky when it comes to historical fiction 
Um, like for instance, I'm on number two, the pale horseman for Bernard Cornwall and John Gwynn's sons, Edward and William have their podcast and uh, YouTube channel, um, the brothers Gwynn. And they like Edward said that the pale horseman was like the best one he's read so far. And my friend really didn't like that one for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that that's kind of interesting, you know? So he was actually one of the first ones to uh, suggest Men of Bronze to me. Uh, he said that that's definitely him and my type of uh, historical fiction. So I'm very anxious to, uh, to get Gathering of Ravens read and then to check that one out. Because coming from him, to me, that's, that's a really big deal. So, See, Men of Bronze suffered from, you know, the first book syndrome. Mm. I can't read it now without just, uh, I'm like wincing every time I read it. Because it, it has first book problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you look at a guy like, you know, like like Bob, like R.A. Salvatore, right? And you look at his, um, the Crimson Shadow series, you know, and uh, when I had read, you know, book 30 of the Dritt series and probably his book, 50th book, um, you know, and then I went and started reading Crimson Shadow, I could definitely tell, you know, especially with book one, that that was early in his career. But at the same time, that holds a special place in people's hearts, you know, in terms of fantasy. And, you know, I just feel like we were just talking about that. Some friends and I, the other day in the writing community, and we were talking about, uh, you know, how if the ideas are there and people love your characters at the end of the day, nobody yeah. really cares, you know, and that's also what uh, Anthony Ryan was discussing too. Uh, and wizards worries and words with the blood song when he had his first copy of it, uh, or his first edition was out. And then uh, he said, since then he's obviously fixed it and things, but yeah. he was surprised at how many people, you know, really enjoyed it, you know, right from the start. So I think that if it's got it, it's got it. And really it doesn't really matter what's around it. So. And that's the hardest lesson to learn that you'll learn when you get your book done. Your first book, nobody's going to care how well it's written. Yeah. You know, no reader, you know, of course. No, yeah. Will, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> All that prose that you spent so many months yeah. and years working on, they don't care. They want some fight scenes. They want some magic. They want some, some badass stuff. They want something they can ooh and ah over. Yeah, they don't yeah. care if you split an infinitive or if you dangle a participle. Yeah. yeah it doesn't matter. Well, you look at a guy like, uh, like I love Glenn Cook, for instance, you know, oh, yeah. the black company. And the first time I tried reading the, you know, the book one, I just wasn't there yet. And then my style had changed when I was an adult. So I went back and I ate it up. It's a different style than I like, but I loved, uh, you know, Croker. I yeah. loved the other characters. It just didn't matter, you know, and he's now I'm on really, like five, you know, a, like he's a minimalist. He's, he's yeah, a minimalist. For sure. And going from Bob, literally, I think I went going from Bob and then Robert Jordan that week. And then I went to Chronicles of the Black Company because I remember it specifically. And then uh, because my buddy, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And he said that he was like, dude, he's like, just give it a chance. He's like, it's totally different style of writing. He goes, but as a writer, he's like, you need to see this and yeah. experience it in order to understand it. And then yep. once I started getting like, you know, I was at like page maybe 25 or something and something happened and I texted him back. I was like, you were totally right. This is my kind of thing. I think it was like that first battle, like the aftermath or whatever, um, mm -hmm. where she's flying around. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, that's really cool. You know, and then all of a sudden, all this mythology uh, and mythos from the world came out. And I was like, I was instantly hooked. So oh, yeah. I think I read the next three or four after that within, 
you know, the next couple of weeks. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely a different style than I was used to. Uh, but now I'm really glad because I think I had made my writing simpler because of it. And yeah. I feel like it, ha- it has not, it's helped me more than it made me suffer. Uh, and I really am glad to have gone through uh, the process with those characters because, um, and I'm really anxious to read yours too, because uh, again, like I said, I think this should be its own genre really, because I'm looking to do basically like Roman soldiers, Chronicles of Black Company feel or bridge burners from Steven Erickson and they're in Britannia and they get attacked by zombies. And I just want to do that. That's historical <laughs> fantasy. Exactly. That's and I like, I like, I want to yeah. do that. You've never mentioned, I've never seen you mention, have you ever read Robert E. Howard? I have actually. Um, okay. It's because I, cause I just got on Twitter <laughs> a couple of <laughs> years ago, uh, but oh my gosh, no, I probably own, I just bought the four of all four. Uh, I finally found the last one for Robert E. Jordan's. Um, oh, Robert E. Howard books um, when he was writing them. Um, yeah. I have probably 20 of the first uh, ones, whatever Robert E. Howard wrote himself, I have. Uh, I think I'm only missing maybe five or six. And yeah. then the next writer, I forget his name. I'm, I feel so bad about this, but I probably have 10 that he wrote. So I probably have close to about 50 uh, Conan books sitting on the old bookshelves. I probably read about half of them so far. And I have the first, or sorry, the, the, the first comic run from the early 2000s um, mm-hmm. that Dark Horse was doing. I have like the first five graphic novels and every issue of those five novels as well. And actually I just got the, uh, the new Savage uh, Sword uh, Conan that Marvel's doing. And then there's another one too. So I got, I love Conan. I love Conan. With what you're interested in for writing, have you ever read Bran McMorn? No, actually I have not. You need to go. You can actually get it at the, uh, I think the Australian Gutenberg.org for free. Okay. Okay. Go read that before you write another word. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because, you know, I I talk about this before, but every writer writing the same style of stuff today, uh, everybody from Robert Jordan, Stephen Erickson, uh, even Bernard Cornwell, they owe that debt to Robert E. Howard. Yeah. yeah. 1930s, he started writing in that gritty, uh, you know, hack them up style. Yeah. Yeah. So every book since then owes that debt to him. But for you, you need to go read Brand McMorn. Okay. Uh, especially one called Worms in the Earth. Oh, I've, I've definitely heard of that one. Yeah, that's that will be right up your alley. Oh, cool. It doesn't have zombies, but it does have all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like that type of feel, you know. And um, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I was looking for something a little different recently. And, uh, you know, they always say like, you know, write what you want to read. And yeah. that's where I got this idea. Cause I actually want to take the lost Legion and mm-hmm. I'm going to explain how they got lost. Uh, and I'm basically taking them and I've been doing research on the lost Legion uh, from what we know. And now of course, like there comes out with a new study saying that, you know, in this archeological study saying that uh, they think that it was just a paperwork error and they actually weren't lost, but I'm like, that's no fun. I'm yeah. like, but zombies, they were instead. So <laughs> that's like the uh, you've heard of the lost army of Cambyses, haven't you? Yep. 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 And that's where uh, another one, too, uh, kind of came in for me because I was debating uh, where to start. But I thought, well, mm-hmm. I could start here and then 
I thought about doing that. Um, thought about Napoleon's uh, Lost mm-hmm. Army, and I thought maybe this could be a thing, uh, depending on you know where I want to go with it. Uh, yeah. If I want to do a trilogy for each or whatever, but I just thought I love the oh uh, Iron Bars from Steven Erickson's uh, Malzahn Book of the Fallen, and I think it's book three or four, and I just book three Midnight Tides, and I just loved the company that they kept, uh, they kept and uh, basically the different characters. And, you know, they had the gruff saw captain who can do anything and get them out of any situation. Then they have the, the healer, then they have the sorcerer. And I just thought, I love the dynamic. And yeah. I thought, what about doing a fantasy setting for this? And then I thought, you know what, what about doing historical fiction and then adding some fantasy to it? I thought yeah. maybe that could be a thing. And then maybe they travel Europe and after they're, you know, they left the Legion and, you know, maybe there were some reasons why and, you know, they don't want to go back to the Roman Empire or whatever. And maybe they travel different places and then encounter different supernatural beings and things like that. They could kind of be like the A team of historical <laughs> fiction and fantasy, you know, like and kind of do a Brothers Grimm from the movie uh, <laughs> with Matt Damon and, uh, you know, <laughs> and then kind of go from there. But yeah i'm gonna have to check that out that sounds really cool it's especially if you pay attention to some of the detail that he uses oh yeah like the landscapes and all i have never been out of the continental united states so i rely on travel logs oh yeah yeah things like that to find out about places uh i have a friend that's been everywhere so cool she always tells me little details about places yeah yeah well, my buddy and I talked about doing that and uh, like starting our own corporation for my writing uh, for going independent. And then we could go uh, to Europe um, for a couple of weeks at some point, uh, a couple years from now. And then we could also go to Japan. We can just write it off as a business expense. <laughs> and he's like, it would be because you're getting, you know, information on these different yeah. places. And I thought, oh, that's I because I really would love to go to like the moors of, you know, Scotland and check out the cliffs at Ireland and you know, yeah. go to a few places, but yeah, that's, well, that's, that's what's idea. great about social media though. You can just go on there and say, Hey, does anybody live near the moors? Yeah. Can yeah. Yeah. Walk? Could you go walking out there in the morning and tell me what you hear? <laughs> well, Gareth Powell is one of those guys. Like he went to a castle the other day uh, over by him in the UK. And I thought, Oh, that is really cool. And it was a little bit different than, you know, I, what I would normally think. And I, for some reason was thinking of this one, um, uh, uh, YA that I was thinking about doing and I kind of started a short story and then it turned into a something different and now I think it might turn into an actual YA trilogy but um, there was this young girl and I have I basically want her to be a descendant of Arthur uh, and then not know it till she goes over there and uh, hits this one spot and then I thought oh that to me was how I was picturing these ruins in my head so I might actually be like Hey Gareth, can I can I use your like vacation photos, uh, you know, for an idea for this book? <laughs> then they're like, oh, it's just another castle. I'm like, man, around me, all I have are trailer parks. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of like small, you know, foothill mountains over near me in New yeah, York. Yeah, I think we got <laughs> hills compared to most of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't blame me. Like, yeah, I got but, three meth heads and and like six yeah, trailers. Yeah, I'd rather like, have a castle. One of my friends lives in Mexico City, right? And, um, you know, he's like, yeah, I think he drives it, you know, right there. Uh, oh, I think I forget what the university is right there in Mexico City. But, like, you literally go out and there are, you know, the ru- Aztec ruins and stuff and yeah. you know, the Isle of the Sun. And I'm just like, 
It must and they're be just nice. like, oh, it's just uh, yeah, just some rocks. <laughs> and they're over here. They come to America. They're like, oh my god, Seven <gasps> Eleven. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh man, when you, when I took him to Barnes and Noble for the first time, uh, it was so funny because he was just like he was like amazed. And this was like you know decades ago. Um, where you know, I mean, there weren't as many Barnes and Nobles, uh, you know, and he was just like, man, he's like, I have to, and, you know, online wasn't a, a huge thing at that time. This is probably almost 20 years ago. So we took, and took him to Barnes and Noble and he literally walked out of there with like 20 books. It's <laughs> like, I would have to go to like this many, you know, cities around us to find, you know, these authors and stuff. And then when I, that's how I felt when I went up to, um, I went by chapters uh, in Canada near Toronto and I can't, I can't wait to the, for, for the border to open up again so I can stop uh, for the Toronto <laughs> comic-con and go. Cause then I found all these UK friends of mine. That's where all their books are, you know, in paperback. So I was like, yeah. well, I was like, why am I ordering on Amazon when I can go four hours and just, you know, get them, get the paperbacks. <laughs> I was like, it'll cost me less in gas than it will to ship all the paperbacks through Amazon here. So that's what sucks about being in Alabama. I go four hours either way. I'm in like Georgia or Mississippi. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That was my friend was like talking about uh, Ohio. He's like lives in Ohio now. He's like, I'll just go. He's like, I'm in Illinois because I don't really want to go in Illinois. He's like, we're here, this and that. And he's lived all over like the Midwest. And uh, I, I laugh. I'm like, you can come over this way. I was like, we had a lot of different places to go. I go, I go four hours. I'm in Philly, uh, you know, four and a half. Uh, you know, I'm over in New York City, uh, you know, go four up where this or that four down like any anything four hours is within pretty good distance so yeah ends up making a lot more fun <laughs> oh let's see here uh okay so this i might have to break this up into two uh episodes but i'm okay if you're okay to come back okay. since you already have the questions uh i just don't want to feel like we're getting a lot of good stuff so i don't want to cut us off that's what me and mark had too so i love genius when it happens uh i'm re <laughs> really interested in this answer though uh, okay. for that number that third question so where do you start when it comes to your style of fantasy do you start with the mythological or historical side or do you start with the fantasy side i start with the character character okay cool uh like with we'll use grimner from uh oh perfect. i was hoping you would <laughs> yeah so the whole idea behind him he is an orc Oh, so cool. He is an orc. That the 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 idea was: what if Tolkien had found orcs in Norse myth? Oh, that's cool. So <laughs> that's really cool. They become the the prototype for every monster, from Grendel to the Fomorians in Ireland, uh, the Calican Zatoroi in Greece. They're all the same creatures, and so. You, Reverse engineering from Tolkien's uh, The Silmarillion, you take everything that, you know, Christopher Tolkien revealed about orcs in The Silmarillion and find out where they fit in Norse myth. And so I did that. They fit perfectly. And then I killed everybody else but one. So what is this one person like? Mm. And I, I admit it was kind of a dark time in my life. Uh, so I set out to make the most, the nastiest, most unlikable character I could imagine. And they actually let me do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, he, you know, he has, he has to have some 
minor positive qualities or people won't read about it. So he's, he's, if he ever gives his word, he will never break it, even if it kills him. So he never gives his word. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you start, I start with what is he like? Uh, what's his temperament? What's his story? Uh, what does he want? And how, what is he willing to do to get it? And the last question, what's he willing to do, was easiest because he's willing to do whatever he needs to. Mm. Uh, he does not have a human sense of shame or a human sense of, uh, well, crap, I forgot the word. But, oh, uh, conscience, conscience? Yeah, he has no human conscience. Yeah, that's the word. And it makes it, kind of hard to write but kind of fun to write yeah yeah uh but he's also extremely religious but it's norse religion yeah yeah and he knows it exists because he's seen it so and so throughout the story you know he's going back and forth with you know fighting with people from christianity because he dares them to to call their God and look, I'm going to smack you around until he gets here. So let's, you know, just start, you better start calling because I'm going to, you know, beat you down until he shows up. And he always wins this argument because nothing ever happens. Uh, but, you know, I, I start with, you know, his personality. I always like to, to uh, fix in my mind what he looks like. So I go into great detail, sometimes too much detail with physical description. And then I build the world around him. So, you know, he, he was the first thing that showed up. And I mean, he showed up years ago in a dream I had. Oh, cool. And I just had to find the right setting for him. And so I, I tried straight fantasy. I tried uh, different historical versions and he fit best in Norse myth. And so I did all of the, the, the work around that. And the story is probably the last thing that I ever, that comes up. And it's, for him, it was just simple revenge. What will you do to get revenge for somebody that's wrong? With you? So, and that is, you know, 330 something pages later, you know, that is the main thrust of the story is what are you willing to do to get revenge? And him being not human, he's willing to do all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so, you know, it starts with the character. Then I go with, you know, the world and then the story. So. See, how I feel like how you described him, like the, the blurb on the back of the book is excellent i feel like um that excites me more uh because i'm a character <laughs> guy um that's why i like utrid so much for instance i yeah like that season three no spoilers but season three episode 10 there's a speech that he gives and i'm just like it blew me away and i was like this has to be some of the best writing and it's yeah. so climactic and i have analyzed that a lot as I'm going back through now and watching all the seasons again. I'm like, what do I really like about Utrid? Cause I'm like, I I'm, you know, he's not perfect, you know? And, but like, 
again, like you said, like, you know, your character keeps his word. I, I really like that, even if he doesn't give it so often. Uh, yeah. So I just, I don't know. There's, there's something about a unique character. And I feel like you already have described so many different reasons that, you know, he's unique. So to me, that just really, I was having this discussion with, um, oh, Fletcher the other day and a couple, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now. And uh, like Ashton and Hayes and a few other writers were on there and just talking about, cause they were mentioning character or plot. Uh, holy moly, actually, Scott, I'm losing. I think it was actually a couple months ago. It just feels like it was yesterday. <laughs> but it was like whatever their episode was, and it was excellent, though. It was all about, like, what do you think is more important is character or plot? And I think you stated it really, really well that I feel like most people it's going to be character. And for me, I definitely feel it's character. And I feel like you just described, you know, him in a way that excites me even more since, you know, I've researched, you know, what your book is about. Uh, sorry, Gathering Ravens is about. So to me, that oh. just sounds like a, a perfect example of just making something unique. I mean, I know, yeah. A plot is nothing more than the tortilla around the meat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it can, if you don't have a character with the connection, it doesn't matter what your plot is. Yeah. Will not matter one bit because the reader will be cold to it because there is not a character in the story to connect to. I think some of Grimdark has that problem. Is there, it's like they're racing to see who can write the most disgusting character in the world. Yeah, yeah. And you have to have some redeeming value. Yeah. You know, because nobody wants to identify with, you know, a complete, you know, murderous asshole. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the, mainstream movies and books can get away with it like you know we find michael corleone is an interesting character you don't want to sit down and have dinner with him yeah yeah but he he does have some redeeming qualities you know and that's where i that's actually where i lifted the part about giving his word you know if michael corleone gave his word he wouldn't go back on it yeah and so i'm like well that's interesting let me i jot that down so to me, the interesting part was he's not human. He's an orc. And I can never use the word orc until at least the 16th century because it did not exist prior to that. So in the entire book, he is never called an orc except in the afterward. Mm. So I have to use every other name in the book for him. And I think that hurt it a little bit with fantasy fans because they didn't make the connection immediately. Mm. But you know, I, I have to create a character that is hateful, profane, murderous, but you still like it. Yeah, yeah. And one other reviewer compared him to uh, the Hound from Game of Thrones. Oh, that yeah, that's a good one. And you know, he's that. I've only seen clips. I've never actually watched the series. I've only read the first book, mm. so I'm assuming that. That's a good thing if somebody's comparing. Oh no, for sure. I I uh, it's there's. I was kind of waiting for him to finish before starting the series, but I guess I'll just have to start the series sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah. Yeah, but I it's particularly. I my my best friend loves those books, and you know we really enjoyed everything but the last season. Um, but yeah, in terms of, I felt like the TV show, from what my friend said, does a really good job, but he felt that 
the books did a far better job with the hound, but I would definitely say that that's a good thing because I I could definitely see what they're saying there. And if your character is anything like the hound and you know gets that redemption arc or you know has some sort of redeemable quality, you know even though he's got him an a hole, then I think that that is a brilliantly written character because I don't think there's a lot of the the hounds out there. It's I think people like you said like make them too disagreeable or not yeah. likable, and then people just kind of falter off there and yeah. don't really care after that. So. so plus he would kick the hound's ass. But, <laughs> That's <know>. awesome. <laughs> I would pay, I would pay for that book today. Honestly, like that would be, that'd be a cool one. See, and that's the, okay. And the, if you've read the Silmarillion originally, well, not really originally Christopher Tolkien went with the orcs coming from elves. So he also used, I'm assuming that since elves are immortal, orcs are immortal. That so, was my understanding of it. Yeah, that's always been yeah. mine. So Grimner is immortal. He's functionally immortal. He can be killed through violence, but he's immune to disease and uh, uh, poison. Oh, cool. And But yeah, I mean, you can bash his head in, but he's been around for 1,400 years at this point. Yeah, good, good, good luck bashing his head. Yeah, in. he's pretty good at bashing people's heads in. Yeah, <laughs> and but he's the source of several myths, like in Eastern Europe. Oh, that's because, cool. Uh, he fled that way after bad things happened to his people, so he went to Eastern Europe. So he's the source of, you know, several monster myths. Oh, that's and cool. Plus Grindel, he was the original Grindel. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you can connect anything to Beowulf, I am there. <laughs> oh, man. That was my first, I think, inner. Well, I don't know. I was, I was trying to think of it the other day. I was talking to, to, actually, me and Mark were talking on Friday, and I was trying to kind of determine what my first, you know, I know what my first fantasy book was in terms of Forgotten Realms and the genre, but, you know, there are other books that I read before that that I would think were, were considered fantasy. But yeah. I think Beowulf really, though, was like a key one. I think I was probably... I was a higher reading level. So I think I was 10 or 11 when I first read, uh, you know, a, a, a dumbed down and more kid version of Beowulf, but I was just like astounded. And then the 13th warrior came out and my teacher was like, yeah, this is very similar, you know, to this tale. They just, you know, he changed it from eaters of the dead uh, from the novel. And I thought, Oh, with Michael Green, I thought, Oh, this is really cool. So for that one always stuck with me the most. So yeah. I really like anytime somebody can can connect it to Beowulf. So I think when I was ten years old, my first it was a probably a tie between The Hobbit and oh, uh, my Lord of the or I'm sorry, uh, one of the Conan novels. The mm. uh, not the novels, the short stories. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was ten years old when I stole one off my brother's bookshelf. <laughs> I liked the painting on the front, so I'm like, oh, oh yeah, oh classic. You're running off with the Ace edition. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 10 years old and I sh probably shouldn't be reading it. <laughs> but like you, I had a, I was a advanced reader. It's like I was advanced in reading, but uh, really, really bad at math. So. Oh, I, I know that feeling. I once I got yeah. to sixth grade, it was like I think that's where I, I started reading more because I was like, oh, I'm really good at this, and yeah. you know, it was. Um, I I I got a special ed certification recently, and I got a couple of masters in it, in a convoluted way, but. Uh, I, my friend said that the other day, my co-teacher, he's like, you seem to have a really good grasp for these things. I'm like, well, I said, when I was in first grade, they thought I was, well, you know, um, 
had a learning disability for reading. And then it turned out I just had too much energy. And yeah. now it turns out I have an overactive thyroid. When I was a kid, it probably spiked at that time. So I know what it felt like, you know, to be in that situation. And then I worked hard to get out of it. And then it turned out that I ate up all the books and the reading and stuff. But then math became harder. Yeah. And, you know, I literally thought about it the other day, I hid in reading and the other subjects like a shell, like a protective yeah. shell. And I think that that's why to this day, I love books so much because I feel like they saved me from thinking I was stupid or yeah. unintelligent. And without books, I definitely wouldn't be who I am today. So yep. I definitely understand that feeling. I, to, to this yeah. day, when something comes up, like I can do math, but like, you know, I just, I think about things differently. And it turns out that writing is it's better that I think differently because I feel like it helps out my writing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not much of a linear person. I, you know, can bounce around and do different things with plot or outline or write today this book and then go Ooh. right back into that headspace. No, I'm not like that, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I start like, at page one and write all the way to the end. <laughs> well, like Kevin Hearn's like Iron Druid Chronicles, like Atticus, had, like the Druids can do different headspaces. So when he started, when I read his books and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, somebody's got the superpower that I feel like I have, like kind of, kind of funny, but uh, I'm going to have to wrap this one up if you don't mind, Scott. And if you don't mind, uh, I can email you and cause I really want to get into these other questions. I feel like I've been wanting to hear your answers for quite some time. And like I said, we're quite ahead for the podcast schedule. So we can actually, uh, film part two, and then we can put them back to back for those weeks. Uh, we're okay. actually finishing up our calendar this week. Um, uh, that way we can do it there. So we're going to end here for you guys today. Scott had a lot of great things to say, so I'm really anxious to have him come back. And we didn't, I think, even get to the big questions yet. I think that <laughs> last one was the bigger question. So we're got a few bigger ones. I might add one or two just to kind of even it out and you kind of gave me some new things to think about so it'll be a really good uh next episode uh so we're gonna sign off here and guys make sure that you uh if you, when you're seeing this episode check out the youtube uh by the time you see this actually I just thought of this the spotify channel will be fixed up and running so you guys can listen to the audio when you're like me on the way to work uh and then like i said we'll have scott back uh by the time this comes out already and aired for episode two, Scott Odin. Thank you so much for coming, Scott. Like I said, I really look forward to getting into a gathering of Ravens and I look forward to talking to you on Twitter in between now and the next time that we can meet. There it is right there, guys, on the YouTube channel. Go out and buy it today. I know you're going to be like me and go check out that blurb that I'll attach to the YouTube uh, description here. And I guarantee you, as soon as you guys see that blurb, you're going to want to buy this book. And obviously Scott talked a lot about his main character, Grimner, and he just sounds awesome to me. So I'm even more excited to, to start now. So <laughs> See, that, now it should move up on your list because he likes to kill other things on the to be read list. <laughs> it's like the Klingon way of advancement. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that I can just get my act together and just uh, actually focus now that the school year is underway and like sit, it's just really bad. I just haven't had time. And by the time I get home, I, I fall asleep because <laughs> we're yeah, you know, all these pandemic rules and regulations yeah. and things that it feels like I got like nothing left in my brain by the time I got home. So <laughs> it sucks to be old, man. <laughs> <laughs> my, my body's young, but I feel like my mind has gotten older. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel that one in my bones. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Scott. Well, thank you so much for coming. I will be sending you an email uh, shortly today. I'm going to fix the podcast schedule and we can find a good second slot for both of us to come back and finish up these questions and get some more genius on the tapes. So pretty much any day before two. Perfect. That sounds great. Well, I'll email you shortly and I look okay. forward to talking to you soon. You have a good rest of the day. Okay. Oh, you too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye, Scott. See you later. Bye.